get ready to unleash your inner legal mastermind and embark on an exhilarating legal adventure. Welcome to the Legal Odyssey podcast, where we dive deep into the world of law and bring you face to face with the sharpest legal minds in America. I am thrilled to be your guide on this wild ride as we uncover the hidden secrets of the legal elite. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Legal Odyssey, the podcast that equips you with the supercharged tools to conquer any situation life throws your way. I am your host, Haley, and today we have a very special guest joining us on our journey. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with the founder and lead attorney of, quote, your law firm, end quote, Kira Lynn Abernathy. Kara joins us today to dive into the details of the adoption process in Georgia. We're going to hone in on the details of adoption in Georgia when it comes to relative adoptions like step-parents, aunts, uncles, or grandparents. Kara, thank you so much for being here with us today on The Legal Odyssey. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. I'm glad to be here. So let's kick off today's podcast by diving into your background and the driving force behind your legal career. As I dived into the research for this episode, I could not help but be so captivated by your remarkable commitment to a very client-centric approach as an attorney. So to begin our conversation, I'd love to explore, you know, what motivated you to really embark on a journey uh, in the field of law? Absolutely. It was kind of an accident in a way. I thought I really wanted to do music and be in the music industry and, you know, maybe not be a performer, but do music business or contracts or something. And then I found out you could be a lawyer for that. And so I decided to go to law school and in law school, I was like, kind of didn't really like the contract side. But then I was like, I will never step foot in a courtroom. I will never do family law and I will never do any sort of criminal defense or prosecution. And then of course, when you get out, right, guess what was available to me? Internship at a prosecutor's office. And then um, I actually got started. I I never had an official job after I passed the bar. I had two mentors, one did family law, one did criminal defense. So they passed me work that did both and I love it and I would never do anything different. But I just thought it's funny how I kind of just fell into it, changed my mind a couple times and now I love what I do. Oh, I think it's so funny. And it's awesome how you can grow so much passion for something that originally you were like, I don't think that's where I'm going to, I'm going to go with this. (laughs) So true. So true. And so your practice kind of went through a journey as well. So you originally started as attorney KLA and you recently went through like a rebranding to, like I said, your law firm. And that was just this year, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we went through the, the, we, I guess the official launch date was this year, but it's been something in the process, like all of 2022 was really, really big. And what were some of the reasons behind that rebranding? Honestly, I was really struggling with the business side of the law firm. It was just me. Um, The lawyering was going great, but the business side, I was struggling. I didn't know how to be both a lawyer and a business owner. That's one thing they don't teach you in law school. And honestly, that's one thing they don't teach you in business school. I'm a business school undergraduate and They don't tell you, hey, you're responsible for everything. So I really found that slipping and I was under a lot of stress. I was working tons of hours. I I honestly had a hard time with collections. So that was kind of hard for me. I'm doing all this work and not getting paid, but I still want to do good work, be a good lawyer. I'm stuck. So I humbled myself and I asked my husband, who is a business person and has a company with his business partner that all they do is build other businesses. Finally, after seven years, I was like, honey, 
I'm failing. Can you please help me? And he was so sweet. He's like, I was waiting for you to ask. He's like, I wasn't just going to, you know, step in. And, and it actually worked out really, really well. So him and his business partner took me through the whole process. They do business roadmaps where they really talk to you, figure out who's your target audience. Who are you as a company? Who are you? You know, what do you want to be? What's your, who do you, what's your passion and who do you love to serve? And through that process, we discovered, wow, we are really a people first law firm. We want to put people first, our clients, the judges, the other side, opposing counsel, ourselves, like our staff, you know, ourselves as people, like we want to, you know, work-life balance. I had zero work-life balance back when I was struggling. And also I wanted to, to go beyond myself. I didn't want just want to be, oh, attorney Kira, you know, I want it to be something for everyone. So it's your law firm and we just, we want to grow. It's still just me right now, but uh, we do want to grow. And that's kind of where it happened. And we launched this year and it's, it's just been great ever since. It's like a fresh start. Yes, it's such a captivating story, and I am so excited to share your expertise with our audience today, especially in the realm of adoption. So as we dive into adoption, let's try to start a little bit simple. <laughs> Can you provide an overview of the adoption process in Georgia, particularly for, you know, relative adoptions or step-parent adoptions? Absolutely. So at the kind of the good thing about relative and step parent is that you already know what child you're going to adopt, right? It's going to be someone who's related to you that needs a parent or, you know, your stepchild. So it kind of takes that little, the little finding the child to adopt out of the way. Um, so what you first need to do is you need to get the voluntary surrender of the parent's rights. So if you're a step parent, you need to get the obviously not your spouse's right <laughs> rights they're going to keep their rights as, as their parent the parent of the child but get the other parents you know voluntary surrender um if you can locate them sometimes you can't locate them sometimes they're deceased unfortunately and but then you know you just need the consent of your spouse at that point um if you are you know a relative you know then you need to get find the parents sometimes uh you usually know one of them uh, but sometimes there's, you know, we don't know who the dad is or something. So you have to try to find them and get their voluntary surrender of rights. If you can't get it, then you have to ask the court to terminate their rights. Um, and basically you have to prove that they're an unfit parent. You know, all these, there's a ton of different ways you can do it, but basically prove that they don't need to be the parent and the child should be adopted by you. Um, if the, if the child is 14 years or older, you actually have to get their written consent, which is kind of interesting in Georgia. I, it's, it's. The laws change kind of often. The, the the people who do the adoption laws here in Georgia are very involved. And I think there's like a council or whatever, and they send people to the legislator all the time. So the law is constantly changing. In fact, it just underwent a big change, I think, in 2021, 2022, somewhere around there. Um, so that that's just all these little things that pop up. <laughs> Yeah, that's very interesting on, on both sides, because first, I didn't realize the child has a say in it and has to provide that consent. And then even on that same or same note that the adoption laws would be so frequently changing. I didn't expect that. Yes. And and the cool thing is, of course, that's consent only if they're 14 years old or older, right? If you're a teenager at age. And then I think they really want to, Georgia has a strong interest in the children. It's all about the children. So they're going to continue to make it easier for people to adopt. They're going to continue to make it, you know, um, more open for more people to be able to take these children in their homes, which is cool. Yes, I love that. And so is there then like a list of <laughs> eligibility criteria for individuals that are seeking to adopt? Um, and, you know, especially like we said, when it comes to your adopting a relative that you, you know. Yes, no, there totally are. So for example, that, okay, so here's a change that happened. So in the 2021-ish, whenever they did those, those things, you used to have to be 25 years old or older to adopt. They changed it so that you only have to be 21 years old 
or older to adopt. So just to help more people be able to adopt. Um, if you're married, you don't have to be 21. You just have to be married, you know, and stay with your spouse and both you and your spouse must adopt the child. Um, you usually, interesting, you ha usually have to be 10 years older than the child you want to adopt. So, you know, they have that, that age gap. But if you're a step parent or a relative, you do not have to do that. So like if a sibling wanted to adopt their sibling, for example, and they don't have to be 10 years older, they just have to be at least 21. So, or living with their spouse and over 18. Anyway, um, it's kind of, you, you kind of got to do the if then, right? If, if right. Then, how do we, how do we do this? Okay. Um, and that's like really where an attorney is going to step in, right? To help you navigate down that if then path to figure out what the options are. Exactly. And to make sure that they're checking on the most recent laws. Because if you go on, a, I'll tell you right now, if you go on a Google search right now and you say, what are the eligibility requirements for Georgia adoption? Most of the time you're going to see 25 years old because the internet's not updated. So like you have to, and you'll get conflicting answers. So definitely want a, an attorney to help you do all the if thens and also make sure they're the most appropriate and relevant if thens. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is such a good point. And something I'm going to come back to later, because I think we want to even touch on the fact that, you know, focusing on finding an attorney that specializes in adoption. So they're keeping up with these changes. If you know, they're so common, just going with a regular family law attorney that maybe only handles an adoption case every 10 years might not work out as well. <laughs> right, right. Unless they don't mind looking at the loss. Yes, and keep themselves updated. I love to learn. Same. I, I'm constantly learning. <laughs> Same. I love it. I'm a nerd. They're, they're like, you like to read the loss care? I'm like, yes, I love it. I just read it for fun. So, so we'll dive into that a little bit more in a minute. So I want to talk a little bit more about how we said you have to get the consent of the child's parent. So as an attorney, how would you handle a situation where that other parent is not providing that agreement or the consent for adoption? Well, you definitely can't force it, right? And you have to be so careful. Like you can never say, oh, if you give up your rights, then we promise to do X. We promise we won't come after you for child support or whatever. You, you, you can't do that. That's, that's illegal. And of course, unprofessional. That's just a no, no. But if they won't, you say, Hey, you know, let's say a step here. Let's say, Hey, you know, stepdad wants to adopt the stepdaughter. You know, we talked to biological dad, Hey, this is happening. You know, here's what we need you to sign. This is what it means. If you sign it, please go get an attorney and review it. And then we kind of leave it at that. Here's your deadline to get it back to us. If they don't get it back to us, then we need to um, moved for the court to actually terminate their rights. So whether they get the voluntary surrender back to us, whether they don't, or they do, and then they rescind, right? Especially biological mothers have, I think it's a four day window now. Once again, that one keeps changing too. How long does the biological mother have to rescind? Oh my goodness. You know, to rescind that, if it's rescinded, then we have to go to the court and say, Hey court, this is an unfit parent. This parent shouldn't be the, um, the, the parent of the child anymore, you need to terminate their rights. So you actually have to have a full-blown court hearing and the evidence standard, I'm, I'm, I guess you guys talk about that probably here often, um, but it's a clear and convincing evidence standard. So it's higher than preponderance of the evidence, which is like 51%. Yeah, it probably happened, but it's lower than like criminal cases where they have to be proven beyond reasonable doubt. So it's lower than that, but it's like pretty clearly, you have to pretty clearly convince the court that yeah, this parent shouldn't be um, a parent. And here's all, there's laws that back it up. There's a ton of laws that back it up, but that's what you have to do. And it's stressful sometimes because you don't know what the court's going to do. Right. It sounds like a little bit of a roller coaster, <laughs> emotional roller coaster. So in, even in the, 
matter of thinking about that evidence that is going to be brought, that could be emotional, right? Like going through to figure out what it is to prove that the parent is unfit, that could be a very difficult process. So again, let's talk a little bit about how an attorney can step in and help help try to eliminate some of the emotional clouds that could be there to identify the evidence that could be useful to show the court that the parent is unfit. Absolutely. And it, it is hard because there's some instances where we've had where, I mean, like kids are, you know, mom is having sex with guys for drugs right in front of the kids. I mean, it's, it's terrible, terrible stuff. And, and it is hard because the child's usually been removed and placed with a relative um, or, you know, a foster parent, depending on what's happened, because obviously in those cases, DFAX is going to be involved here in Georgia, right? Child Protective Service is going to come in and take the child out of that situation. But you're right, they have to kind of almost relive that you got to be careful with how you speak to the child. You need to know, I mean, thankfully, so one of the most recent ones I had was a grandparent adoption. Thankfully, the child was like, no, my grandma is my mom. I want this to go through. I mean, he was only 11, like sweet, sweet kid doing great with grandma, lived with her for, you know, I think two years, three years, more than that. Um, but so he was okay with reliving kind of that rough stuff. It was hard for his grandma, but he was okay, you know, telling her, writing it down, making sure I knew what to, what went on and what to tell the judge. And then um, occasionally you can get a guardian ad litem. I say occasionally, it's kind of, uh, it depends if DFAX is involved. Usually the case will be transferred to juvenile court or you can get it transferred to juvenile court. You get a guardian ad litem, which is an investigative person on behalf of the child to see, hey, are the parents fit or not? So they can kind of do more digging and like interviewing and it's a little bit, you know, better emotionally. They know how to handle children in tough situations and stuff like that. And on that same note, there's also support for people and families that are going through adoption, right? Yes. So usually, so here's where I've seen a lot with relatives. So if relatives, the support really comes from their own family group. And so many people are supportive in their family group. That's like kind of your, your initial core support. Like, um, like gosh, like this last one I, I was just talking about, oh my goodness, the whole family showed up ever out of town and just was supportive. And it was amazing. Um, it, it, it was so great. So definitely your family group, if you don't have that, if you go through an adoption agency, they have a ton of resources. Each adoption agency is a little different ton of resources there. If you're going through the state like foster care or DFACS, whether it's, you know, a relative or just a foster child or, you know, someone in foster care, DFACS and the, the State Department of Georgia have resources. Um, other than that, best thing I can say is Google. Google around you and see, hey, you know, support for adoptive parents near me. And you'd be surprised at the communities that pop over this, whether it's your church. Um, so I'm, I don't know if I told you this, I'm adopted. So that's actually what got me interested in adoptions is I'm adopted. And growing up, my parents and their church had, uh, there was like communities of people, other people who had adopted. And so I was able to talk with them, you know, talk with their parents, talk with the other kids. So that's another resource that they have. It can be kind of daunting because it's hard to find. But once you get in that community that has it, I mean, so many people are supportive of adoption anyway, because it's just wonderful for the child, child and the children. Absolutely. And I think even now too, with like all of the different Facebook groups there are there, I'm sure you can find support groups on Facebook, like you said, through Google. Um, and so I think that that's an important aspect, like we're saying on the opposite end of the difficulty you may have to go through in, you know, getting that um, other parent or the opposing parent to, to agree. So 
Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the timeline for completing a relative adoption in Georgia. What does it look like from like the initial application through to finalization? Absolutely. So the initial application is intensive. I tell my clients, like, look, the state wants a lot of information. They want to make sure you are who you say you are. They want to make sure the child is who they say that they are. They want to make sure you're related to them properly, right? Grandparent, great-grandparent, aunt, uncle, great-aunt, great-uncle, or sibling. If you're not one of those, you can't do a relative adoption. Um, now, once again, you don't have to go through the process of finding a child, so that kind of shaves off some time on some other adoptions. And by the time we get everything together, I mean, that initial interview process takes probably about a month to two months, just for just me personally, making sure I have all the documents because they've got to get you got to get marriage certificates. If someone if your spouse is deceased, you got to get a death certificate. You know, you got to get um, if you're divorced, you got to get proof that you're divorced. If you got remarried, you got to get proof you get remarried, like very, like I said, very invasive kind of thing. And so I prep my clients for that. And then once we draft all the paperwork, which is if you're terminating parental rights, it's even longer, right? Because you got to get all the evidence why the parental rights should be terminated and argue it in your initial document. You have to must put everything. I mean, I've had adoption petitions be hundreds of pages long with all the supporting, you know, documents because you must, it's very technical. Um, so by the time we get that done, let's say one to two months, depending on how quickly things are rolling, get it filed with the court. Um, and then usually the law says they want a hearing within 120 days of filing. So four, four months, if I'm doing my math right. Um, so as soon as three to four months, but if you're terminating parental rights, you got to find the parents, serve the parents, you know, give them notice that you're terminating. That could take a little bit longer. I've seen it up to a year. Um, and then if it's really contested, it could take even longer. Wow. So, but in, so at first I'm like, okay, so it is a lengthy process, but at the same time, um, you know, again, big picture, long game, not too bad. <laughs> um, but it is a very, as you said, detailed um, process, right? So it's not something you want to try to um, go about without getting expert help. So can you touch just a little bit on how someone can ensure that they're finding the right family law attorney for their adoption case? Yes. So, and this is what I would tell anyone looking for an attorney at all. You got to make sure it's someone that you're comfortable with. In a way, ignore their accolades, right? It's not going to matter if they are top 10, super lawyer, whatever, if you don't get along with them and you don't like them. Um, or they just seem cold or distant. Some people want that. Some people don't want, you know, they're like, nope, you just handle it. You just do it, whatever. Other people really want that communication. I mean, that's one thing we really focus on is communication. You can always reach someone in our office. You know, I will answer the phone as well. Like, you know, as long as I'm not in court or something. And then we always are available. Um, always accessible is kind of one of our taglines. Um, so you definitely want someone who's going to answer your questions that you are comfortable with. And then, of course, someone, like you said, who's experienced in adoption or at least prepared to learn and do it and really do it well and understands that this is a technical, detailed process. Um, you want someone who is local to you, honestly, because they're going to be able to better know the court system um, because each court's kind of different. And even though, of course, the process is basically the same. Um, but yeah, really someone that you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with them, I would not move forward. Uh, price should not be too much of an, of a concern, honestly, like you're going to get what you pay for in a certain way. So don't let it scare you. Uh, but don't try to go with the cheapest person because they're probably not going to give you as much time, uh, as your case needs. And then 
call around. Don't be afraid to talk to multiple people and talk to multiple people multiple times. It's okay. This is, like you said, the long, it's kind of long, like, right? Three, three, <laughs> yes. four, five, six, a year, you know, we're going to be in a relationship. Let's exactly. make sure it's a good one. Yes. So that's kind of my two cents on that. I love it. That is such a great point. And I, I think the entire conversation today has been so insightful and just a great exploration of the journey through adoption, especially for family members and relatives. For someone that is seeking a family law attorney or maybe even going through an adoption case in Georgia, is there any final words of encouragement or advice that you'd like to leave? You can do it. It doesn't matter if it's hard. It doesn't matter if it looks like you're not going to make it. You can do it. You've got this. You've If you've got an attorney already, trust them. Like if, if, if you're struggling with trust, be like, hey, I'm struggling with trust. It's not you. Can you just tell me these things? And they'll talk to you. Don't be afraid to find someone else if you need to, but really at least try with your current attorney. You hired them for a reason. It's going to be great and you can do it. This has been such an insightful conversation today. Kira, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, Haley. Thank you for having me. This has been really fun. So it's been a very informative and eye-opening conversation with Kira. And we really hope this episode has been a valuable resource for anybody considering adoption or seeking a family law attorney in Georgia. Stay tuned for some more exciting episodes and expert interviews. Remember, this podcast is not legal advice, but it is meant to equip you with the tools that have you navigating through life with knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Legal Odyssey. I'm your host, Haley, and until next time, take care and stay legally empowered.